the podcast on the mount where we talk about Jesus, discipleship, and community. Let's go! Hello, listeners, and welcome to another episode of the podcast on the mount with your host, Jonathan Amos, and co host, And before we proceed, we would like to thank our sponsors, Mash Park. They have the healthiest, juiciest, biggest, nicest, niciest, nicest, <laughs> tastiest <laughs> mushrooms you can ever ever have mm-hmm. please call to order your mushrooms from mash pack 050 9392 mm-hmm. 050 mm-hmm. great um, for this episode we would like to continue and I think conclude on our uh, series on how to read the bible um, so a recap we've talked in our first episode I think we discussed we did discuss um the Bible, how it, the history of the Bible, how it came into being, the separation of chapters and verses, and all of those, you know, things. In our second episode, we try to look at ways in which not to read the Bible, or ways in which many people read the Bible but don't don't get it. Mm-hmm. You understand because they are not taking the context seriously. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think for today we will look at. How to actually read the Bible, which mm-hmm. which is the whole meaning, the whole reason for why we started this this um, this series in the first place. So, uh, Adam, mm-hmm. ah, we are here now. So, hmm, how should we read the Bible? Yeah, so I think <laughs> we've said it we've, we've said it quite a number of times repeatedly, but it bears repetition that um. um Bible is uh, uh, each book of the Bible is uh, sorry the Bible is a collection of books and each book uh, needs to be read in its entirety it needs to be read in fullness um, and we should avoid taking chapters on their own and forming whole theories about them Mm. And so, uh, once we are applying those, we would find that we are making better and better interpretations of Scripture. And in fact, if the more we apply these methods, we'll find also that the less divisions we would have among Christians because there would be um, a, a stronger basis of trying to interpret Scripture, mm. both for ourselves and also within church. Right? Mm. So, um, I mean, if we want to look at, let's well, yeah, say, if, are there any like specific, specific so examples? Do I just start? I, at least I remember when I wanted to to, to read the whole Bible. Mm-hmm. My grandmother said, first thing, take Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, read mm-hmm. them first, and then afterwards you can uh, go back and start from go back to the Old Testament and then read and come all the way mm-hmm. through to the New Testament. But she said, take Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and read them first. Mm-hmm. But is that is there a a, I don't know, some recommended way to actually get started to reading the Bible properly. Yeah, I mean, your grandma's advice was very good advice. Um, definitely, I would also give that same advice of a sorts. Tell people that they should actually start by reading the Gospels because the point the Bible was, the, the, the point of the Bible for us Christians is that it's pointing us towards Jesus Christ. So when people get a good grasp of the Bible, or at least of Jesus Christ, then they can go back and read what came before him, and also see what what came after him. Hmm. So generally, it's it's good advice that people read the, the the gospels, start with the gospels. Only thing I would say is that they should 
not they should read in, in large chunks. Read two, three chapters at a time. Okay. Um, and not just a short section or, or so on. Read because sometimes the divisions that we have in the Bible are, are human divisions. Sometimes we introduce some headings and so on into the text, which didn't exist when the writer was writing it. Mm. So, I think uh, an example I could also I could give now is from we talked about this for podcast. Um, sorry, the on the mount seven on the mount. Yes, the seven on the mount. <laughs> well, it, it's uh, Matthew chapter five, six, seven, and chapter eight, verse one. Yes, that's, that's where it actually ends. Yes, yeah. but it's because but, uh, of the divisions and human decisions to put things in different places. Mm-hmm. We have it in the section and then eight one. one. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, that being said. We, we we can take an, uh, a look at a particular example. Um, there is um, a verse that is used a lot in, uh, in Ghanaian circles. Um, so we'll take a look at an Old Testament example. Right. There's a verse that is used a lot to, to talk about we not criticizing men of God. Uh, when they make mistakes, touch not my anointed. Yes, uh, <laughs> we it, it it goes something like touch not my my anointed and do my prophets no harm. Um, this has become uh, an, an escape route for many of us who don't want either to be criticized or our leaders, our favorite leaders, to be criticized. But we need to do better by looking again at the whole of. The sorry, the the psalm in which this is quoted. So, Psalm one hundred five verse fifteen is the one that says, "Do not touch my anointed ones; do my prophets no harm." But if we are going to do the reading right, as I've suggested, start by reading the whole chapter. The whole chapter will give you an indication that this is God talking. This the writer is talking about God and His relationship with the people of Israel. And to see this even clearer, just go back a few uh, versions above the verse 15, right? If you start from, let's say, verse 8. Here he's talking about God. He says, Yahweh remembers his covenant forever, the promise he made for a thousand generations, the covenant he made with Abraham, the oath he swore to Isaac. He confirmed it to Jacob as a decree, to Israel as an everlasting covenant. And in what way did he confirm it? He said, To you I will give the land of Canaan as the portion you inherit. So here he's talking about Israel, that he will give Israel the land of Canaan as a portion that they will inherit. And then verse 12 says, When they, they is again Israel, when they were but few in number, few indeed and strangers in it, they wandered from nation to nation, from one kingdom to another. He's talking about the Exodus, when they were walking in the desert all the way till they got to Canaan. And he, Yahweh, allowed no one to oppress them. For their sake, he rebuked kings. You know, uh, uh, Og, king of Bashan, and so on, stood up against Israel. But then they were defeated. So this is the point. This is a retelling of the history of Israel as they walked to, I mean, uh, as they walked from Egypt to Canaan. And so he said, he allowed no one to oppress them. For their sake, he rebuked kings. And then it's quoted here, Do not touch my anointed ones, do my prophets no harm. Mm-hmm. So he's speaking of Israel as his anointed ones and as his prophets. And this has always been the case, that God chose Israel as a prophetic voice to the rest of the world. So 
here it is not talking about ordinary uh, pastors here or uh, whoever here who claims to be a prophet. This is an abuse of scripture when someone wants to appropriate it to himself. Because if that's the case, then yes, oh, the whole church is a prophet of God. The whole church is the anointed ones of God. Because the whole of Israel was being addressed here. Mm-hmm. So in that case, all of us are God's anointed and all of us are God's prophets. Why should one particular person uh, uh, appropriate this verse to himself and say, I am a prophet and you are just mere mortal, so do not critique me or do not criticize me. So this is a clear case where just stepping backwards and reading backwards gives a clearer sense of what we mean or what the writer of the gospel or the the psalm in this case meant when he said, do not touch my anointed ones. Do my prophets no harm. Okay. So, but in, I, we can give another example in the New Testament. And this is a this is a very sad one because it actually affects the life of many people in the New Testament. So m- um, many of us in a lot of our churches, especially yeah, in a lot of our churches actually today, tend to prevent certain people from having access to their communion to the Lord's Supper. And we quote um, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11. So here, chapter, oh, where is it? 1 Corinthians chapter 11, we quote somewhere around 27. So then whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. So everyone then twenty eight is everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. Now, the, typically when people are about to have communion, this is read out to them, and people are reminded that um, they, they they should think of themselves and maybe be, be sure they have not fallen into some sinful behavior, and if they have some fight with somebody, uh, they should go and settle it before they can come and eat. And here, the fight with somebody is anybody and everybody, not even just church members. Um, and generally, we are we, a lot of fear is put into people about taking the Lord's Supper uh, because we are not letting the text, the scripture itself, interpret what it's meaning. We are not looking at the full context of what Paul is talking about to understand why he's giving the warning. But again, all you need to do. It's just go back a bit up. Now let's remind ourselves, the whole of 1 Corinthians is a letter written to address the Corinthians about the question of division, of some people making themselves better than others. Some people saying, we follow Paul, we follow Apollos, and we follow Christ, and all those kinds of things. He devoted the first three chapters just to the discussion of the question of division. And so, and he speaks about it again in chapter 6. He speaks about it again all over the, the, the whole of 1 Corinthians. So, the key thing about the Corinthian letter is that Paul wants to address the misdeeds regarding division. Hmm. And when it comes to a Lord's Prayer, to I mean, if they're, they're people are dividing themselves on all sorts of bases, then obviously, even when it comes to eating together too, they will divide themselves. Okay. And that's exactly what happened. So, the whole section here on the Lord's Paul's warning on the Lord's Supper starts with from verse 17. In verse 17, he says, In the following directions, I have no praise for you, for your meetings do more harm than good. 
In the first place, I hear that when you come together as a church, there are divisions among you, and to some extent, I believe it. So, from the, let's say from verse 20, it says, So then when you come together, it's not a lost supper you eat, for when you are eating, some of you go ahead with your own private suppers. As a result, one person remains hungry and another gets drunk. <laughs> so, I mean, this is a case where these were people who were meeting in homes and uh, the richer people would bring food and so that, I mean, they would share it with the poorer people. And yet, yet they will not wait for the poor people to come. And then they just eat the food among themselves. And the key thing here is, already Paul has talked about division, so he's reminding them again. This behavior of some of you thinking you are better than others, not waiting for your other brothers to come along. He said, if you, you could have eaten at home. Exactly. If you are really that hungry, Stay eat at home, home mm-hmm. so that whatever you bring here, you are not feeling so hungry, you can afford to wait for our brothers and sisters. So the point of the whole <coughs> of Paul's warning in verse 27 is about this unity. And to to eat the body in in an unworthy manner is uh, is to is to eat it in division. To for those who brought the food themselves to eat themselves and leave the others behind. So the whole of uh, Paul's warning is not about how holy or righteous or you personally are before God when you come to eat the, the Lord's Supper and uh, whether you have uh, sinned during the week uh, you need to, or maybe during the month, the previous month or whatever, you need to confess all your sins before you go and eat the Lord's Supper. That's not the point of it. The point of it is that you are eating this to remind yourselves that you are one people, one body. And so, how can you then choose to eat your portion? Eat actually all of it, not just your portion. Virtually, all the rich people eat <laughs> all the food and leave nothing for the poor. So this that that is the point then of the statement that whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. So again. A not good way of reading of doing this is taking that verse or taking those one or two verses yes. and reading it. Yes, because what a then happens way, is then a we better try way to is what we are saying mm-hmm. is take the chapter or take the whole section because the, the, it starts from verse seventeen mm-hmm. where he's given these warnings about um, communion. Mm-hmm. So take from verse seventeen downwards, and mm-hmm. when we do that, we understand the whole context of what he's trying to say yes. and what he means when he says. Mm-hmm. In an unworthy manner, yes. because an unworthy manner could mean a man. It could mean a million. That's what happens. So, so when in certain wrong, Christian traditions, yes. who have a very strong emphasis on personal holiness, then they interpret it as your personal sinfulness okay. is the is the unworthy man. And, so, and this is, I mean, in the whole, if you look at the history of the church. This is very, very pronounced in the holiness movement, the, especially in the Pentecostal, uh, but also in other uh, the realms of Christianity, mm. who who take personal holiness so important that they think that is what Paul is talking about. Mm. But even the verse thirty-three says, "So then, my brothers and sisters, when you eat, when you gather to eat, you should all eat together." Mm-hmm. You should all eat together. Don't, don't those who brought the food shouldn't eat and leave those who they didn't bring. 
So the point of it is unity. So far as we have come together yes. in one in a place under one roof to serve a certain purpose. Mm-hmm. When we are either when we begin or when we we are done, mm-hmm. all of us should be together. Yes. Don't eat and leave your brother out. That's the point. That is the point. That's it. So to be united. Mm-hmm. So okay. Looking at this, um this so this seems to be what we are saying, a mm-hmm. correct way of reading this mm-hmm. and understanding because mm-hmm. we have looked at the context, we have put we've 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 Sorry. We see what is happening, yes. and we understand the situation, and we understand that the whole of the First Corinthians, or most of the First Corinthians, mm-hmm. t- talks primarily about disunity in the church, yes. and ways in which we can unite each other yes. or be, be united. Yes. So, what, see, so the thing is, how what how you see, this is a good way to look at it, mm-hmm. but in, from a from a from a raw perspective from a me just gets up and looking at and reading it mm-hmm. I may or may not understand it this way mm-hmm. but so what else can I do what are there things I can read along are there resources are there how can I make my reading of the Bible better mm-hmm. so that it's more understandable it's more it's more in line with with the, with the thinking of the writer mm. when that was happening yeah um that is to be to be honest, that is uh, work that we we will need to do for the rest of our life. If we are going to be Bible readers, we will not automatically have all the right methods and approaches in one day. We are going to continue to do this and do this and revise ourselves and do it better. So, one of the things, some of the things that I suggest to people is buy study Bibles. Right? Study Bibles by uh, well-known international bodies. Okay, they are uh, they are very helpful because they give. Do we have any specific names? Oh, um, so there are chronological study bibles. We try to put all the uh, the the, the yes. books of the Bible in the correct order in which they are kept. Okay, there are um, uh, application study bible, life application study bibles, and all those ones. They are helpful, okay. right? Um, two, there are movies that um, have tried to capture the things that happened during the, the I mean, try to capture the biblical stories. Mm-hmm. And the thing about these movies, and people sometimes get too worried about them, but I, I, the thing about these movies is that they will not be exact, they will not be accurate, but they at least try to situate it in how life was in when, time. yes, in the time those stories are being told. So that it helps you visualize, you know, what it really was like in those days. So, for example, um, what uh, uh, recently they did a movie on Moses. There was a Noah movie. And there's a Noah movie. Moses. Uh, and all those kinds of movies. Those are helpful. Not like many the, people, the many people like the Noah movie though. Ah, well, that's a whole subject we can talk about another <laughs> time. Then there's the Bible TV series. Right? It's a TV series which is called the Bible, which is a, a is good it one. AD. I don't know what AD. No, AD is it follows after the that one. Okay, that's specifically for the old, for the New Testament. Okay, yeah, but the, the Bible series was for, mostly for the Old Testament. Okay, now one that I highly recommend is the Bible Project. I one, really highly recommend it. What is the because Bible? the Bible Project is um, is an attempt to try to give context 
and history and background to every book of the Bible mm. through a YouTube channel. It's a, so it's a YouTube channel. They have a YouTube channel where you can see them. It, they, some of their content is even included in Bi- the Bible app. Okay. Yes. But, I mean, the Bible, you can go to www.thebibleproject.org.com. Dot com. Okay. And, and see all the individual videos they've done. Sometimes even for each book they do three, four, five videos. Okay. It's it really helps you to grasp what yes the context and, and that, I mean some, not all of us have all the time to read books and so on. So the Bible project is a very good resource to help you in your Bible reading. Yeah. Then I would say Bible commentaries. Uh, for those of us who have more time, read more Bible commentaries. They are helpful. Not uh, Bible commentaries. They are very old Bible commentaries. Um, the point is that the knowledge we keep getting about the Bible keeps improving. So very old ones I, uh, that you find in some of these, like uh, Henry's uh, Bible commentary and so on, they are very old. Okay. And, uh, they are outdated. They are outdated. Okay. So newer Bible commentaries is better. Um, really, re- read scholars if you can. Some of them, they have books, small, small books written on different uh, subjects, so they, they won't take you so much time. But the point is, if we are the, the thing about being a good Bible reader is that there is no way you can do it without having an attitude of reading and without having an attitude of researching. Hmm. And this is the I mean, for us Ghanaians, this, uh, this is a big problem because we don't like reading, we really don't. But to be honest with you, the only way you can do it is to be to develop the habit of reading. So these are, for example, some some scholars that I like reading who I would recommend to you. Okay. On the subject of the Old Testament, you can read someone like John Walton, or Walter Brueggemann, uh, Christopher Wright, and John Goldingale. These are very good, uh, top-notch Old Testament scholars who can help you in your Bible reading. Hmm. When it comes to the New Testament, also you can re- look for people like uh, Scott McKnight, uh, N.T. Wright, Gordon Fee, Richard Hayes, Ben Witherington the third. These are also very fine uh, scholars who, who really improve your Bible reading. Okay. So this these resources here help us to actually be able to read the Bible mm-hmm. correctly and understand. Yeah, so give, they give you much more insight on the background and history and so on regarding the Bible so that you are reading better. Okay. Then how... Uh, so now we've read the Bible. Mm. Let's say we've taken our time. We've mm. gone through six months or a year and we've gone through the whole Bible. Mm. Now we become Bible readers and we, can read, we know the Bible from you know, top to bottom, mm-hmm. from cover to cover. Mm-hmm. Um, but in what ways do we then apply what we have learned? How do we, uh, how do we ensure that, this, that we, are, we, we actually understand the context we actually know that okay. We actually understand that, but get the context of the things that we've we've, we've gone through. Mm. How are we sure that we're not applying it incorrectly, or how do we actually apply it to our lives when we do with them? Well, um, so at the heart of the matter, and maybe we, we, we should do we should do this in a much more detailed discussion on the next podcast or something. But at the heart of the matter is Jesus Christ. Mm. At the heart of the Bible is Jesus Christ. And even when Jesus himself was asked how he should, I mean, someone came to ask him, yeah, 
um, Rabbi, what is the most important commandment? Mm-hmm. He says, well, there are two of them. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. And the second one is love your neighbor as yourself. Mm-hmm. At the heart of the Bible reading is Jesus himself and how he models for us what it means to love God and what it means to love your neighbor. Okay. Um, and as we read the Bible, we, it should be leading us to see why Jesus is so unique. Why Jesus is truly the way. Why he actually then shows us the example that to love God is to love your neighbor. So if our reading of the Bible is not leading us in those directions of taking God seriously and caring for one another on this earth, then we are missing the point. Because Jesus is the model. The, the Old Testament, yes, God was trying to have a relation with the people of Israel. And that was difficult. Until Jesus, he sent Jesus Christ to show the example in real life. In real life. In 3D. So that the world can follow that example. So, maybe some of, for a long time, we, we, we've not been, for, for too long, Christians have not been paying attention to Jesus. We're just reading the Bible anyway, anyhow. Already we are using the wrong methods to read it. But even when we are getting the right methods to read it, the question is, who are we discovering in the passages of the, of the Bible? Hmm. Are we yeah. discovering a God who just wants to destroy this world and take his lovely people away to heaven and leave him so we can all just cross our legs and hold hands and sing Kumbaya? Or are we discovering a God who loves his people so much that he shows how deeply he loves us by he himself coming to die for us? And then he himself coming to live the life he wanted us to live. To be an example to us. Yes, to be an example to us. Hmm. Interesting stuff, Adam. Yeah. And thank you for this for, for this episode also yeah, for, for today. Yeah. Um, I think I would like to add on to, uh, that um, there are some blocks that we can also look at to help us with understanding and applying the Bible. Mm-hmm. So Blogs like the Jesus Creed, mm-hmm. blogs like renew.org, mm-hmm. renew spelled R E K N E W dot O R G. Mm-hmm. There's rzim.org and there's str.org. Mm-hmm. So these are ways in which we can, these help blogs would help us in studying the Bible and in applying it more, more effectively. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would also continue to encourage that. You listen to the podcast on the mount. We've oh, we've also promised some videos. They are coming. You will see, you will see our vlog mm-hmm. as well. So you will see us live and and, and and see some of the things that we we want to talk about. And also visit Adam's blog. Uh, visit Agnes Master. He also has some very interesting articles he's written yeah. so on on uh, many many different things. I mean, this is many years of work in there. So. Yes, yeah. it's, 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 it's exciting. I, I want to mention two important books um, because they help, they, they point, they, they, they show some of these methods that we are talking about and they document them very well. Uh, one of them is uh, from Richard Hayes, who I met, whose name I mentioned before. It's called The Art of Reading Scripture. Um, and then the second is from uh, Gordon Fee, who's also, I mentioned, as a New Testament scholar. 
who his is called How to Read the Bible for All It's Worth. And these are two books that if you are able to get and read, just go on Amazon. Buy it buy it and deliver it to your post geo box in Ghana and read them. They will really enlighten you on how to read the Bible properly and interpret it properly. Yes. Thank you listeners for another good time. Uh, we would like to thank our sponsors once again. Uh, TheBabyDom.com Thank you so much for sponsoring this program. Uh, you can reach TheBabyDom.com at TheBabyDom.com You can get all your baby needs, diapering, everything that you need from there, for car seats, everything you need. You can also reach them on 0240-532-173. 0240-532-173. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you, Adam. Yeah, you're welcome. And we'll catch you yeah. next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Podcast on the Mount. You can ask a question, make a comment, or just reach out to us on our Facebook page, Podcast on the Mount, and on Twitter at Podcast on the MNT. Goodbye.